ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद् भागवतम Canto 1, Chapter 2, Text 6 Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada I suggest for the translator if you can get a copy of the book in Telugu that will make it much easier for you because the the translation and purport is usually quite difficult to translate compared to what the speaker speaks so shrimad bhagavatam canto 1 chapter 2 text 6 it's a well known verse so those who know it they can chant also savai pung sang paro dharmo yato bhak Dear Adhokshaje, Ahaitukya Pratihata, Yayatma Suprasidati. No, you're all mispronouncing. It should be Ahaitukya Pratihata, not Ahaitukya Pratihata. The it in Sanskrit, the vowel i coming before the vowel a changes to y so it's a haitukya pratihata flowing like this try again a haitukya pratihata still some of you are saying a haituki habit if you say the word a haituki by itself it's a haituki if it becomes before a vowel as in this case then it changes Ahaitukya pratihata Still some don't learn by In previous ages people learned by hearing in this age people are supposed to learn by reading and can't learn by hearing at all Yayatma suprasidati Which means they don't learn by reading either it's just amassment of information no 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 you're reading it you're reading it from your kindle is it you're reading it wrongly yeah okay say it again no 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 a haituk yapratihata it's not a haituk apratihata it's a haituk yapratihata is a y y sound please try again no we went from one mistake to another okay very good a haituk say it again so we can no 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 same mistake 
Ahaitukya Pratihata, one flowing word. No, no. Ahaitukya Pratihata. You can't hear the difference? You're chanting Ahaituki Apratihata. And it should be Ahaitukya Pratihata. Can you hear the difference? Alright, say the difference. No. That's this is why we have to have Guruku. They're all brains are already spoiled by going to college and all this kind of thing. So, translation, the supreme occupation, dharma, for all humanity is that by which men can attain to loving devotional service unto the transcendent Lord. Such devotional service must must be unmotivated and uninterrupted to completely satisfy the self. Purport, in this statement, Sri Sutta Goswami answers the first question of the sages of Naimisharanya. The sages asked him to summarize (coughs) the whole range of revealed scriptures and present the most essential part so that fallen people or the people in general might easily take it up. The Vedas prescribe two different types of occupation for the human being. One is called the pravritti marg or the path of sense enjoyment and the other is called the nivritti marg or the path of renunciation. The path of enjoyment is inferior and the path of sacrifice for the supreme cause is superior. The material existence of the living being is a diseased condition of actual life. Actual life is spiritual existence or Brahma-Bhuta existence, where life is eternal, blissful and full of knowledge. Material existence is temporary, illusory and full of miseries. There is no happiness at all. There is just the futile attempt to get out of the miseries and temporary cessation of misery is falsely called happiness. Therefore the path of progressive material enjoyment which is temporary, miserable and illusory is inferior. But devotional service to the Supreme Lord which leads one to eternal, blissful and all cognizant life is called the superior quality of occupation. This is sometimes polluted when mixed with the inferior quality. For example, adoption of devotional service for material gain is certainly an obstruction to the progressive path of renunciation. Renunciation or abnegation for ultimate good is certainly a better occupation than enjoyment in the diseased condition of life. Such enjoyment only aggravates the symptoms of disease and increases its duration. Therefore, devotional service to the Lord must be pure in quality, i.e., that is, without the least desire for material enjoyment. One should therefore accept the superior quality of occupation in the form of the devotional service of the Lord without any tinge of unnecessary desire, fruitive action, and philosophical speculation. This alone can lead one to perpetual solace in his service. We have purposely denoted dharma as occupation because the root meaning of the word dharma is that which sustains one's existence. A living being's sustenance sustenance of existence is to coordinate his activities with his eternal relation with the Supreme Lord Krishna. 
Krishna is the central pivot of living beings and he is the all-attractive living entity or eternal form amongst all other eternal living all other living beings or eternal forms. Each and every living being has his eternal form in the spiritual existence and Krishna is the eternal attraction for all of them. Krishna is the complete whole and everything else is his part and parcel. The relation is also one of the servant and the served. It is transcendental and is completely distinct from our experience in material existence. This relation of servant and the served is the most congenial form of intimacy. One can realize it as devotional service progresses. Everyone should engage himself in that transcendental loving service of the Lord, even in the present conditional state of material existence. That will gradually give one the clue to actual life and please him to complete satisfaction. Is everyone feeling happy? Not very. There wasn't a spontaneous roar. Yes! Well, you can try, but it's not spontaneous. You can turn these lights off. There's no need to unnecessarily have them on. Serves, serves no purpose having them on except to waste some money and waste some of Krishna's energy. Is it? Or you want it for the... For the does it make any difference? I don't think so. Hmm? Yeah, there's enough light for everyone, whatever they need to do. These lights can be turned off also. This Krishna conscious movement is a movement of bhakti. And as Srila Prabhupada often said, this movement is meant for making everyone happy, right? You know about this meant for making everyone happy. So generally people, Hindus who know about this Krishna conscious movement, they know that it's a movement of bhakti. And generally think bhakti, people think bhakti, well that's something very happy. Singing, dancing, festivals, flowers, this is the uh, manifestation of bhakti. Of course, here in South India, there are also more grave manifestations with a lot of somber chanting of Vedic mantras and yagyas. But there's the uh, overtly joyful aspects also. And in North India, uh, there's not much of this Vedas chanting and in bhakti, but it's mostly overtly. Overtly means prakat, manifest joyful activities in bhakti. So bhakti means to be joyful, and that's what it's all about, right? Bhakti means feeling, isn't it? Feeling, joyful feeling, loving feeling. Yes, that's true. But it's not that any loving feeling is bhakti. Just like we hear the term desha bhakti. 
bhakti, devotion to one's country. Janani janma bhumischa svargam evam gariyas. Svargam etam. Svargadapi gariyasi. Sorry, then what I said before didn't make any sense. So there is a saying that one's mother and one's motherland, one's birthland, is considered more glorious than swarga, than heaven. But here in this verse is specifically said, bhaktir adhokshajit, bhakti unto the transcendent Lord, which uh, elsewhere in this chapter and throughout the Bhagavatam, it's described who that adhokshaja, transcendent person is, that is Krishna. In fact, that's established from in the very first words of the Bhagavatam. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So bhakti means to be happy. Yayatma supraseedati. By performing this bhakti, one will, one's very being will become fully happy. So it's the feeling. We should be happy. We should feel happy in bhakti. So uh, people will say, some uh, the general understanding bhakti, general I mean by among Hindus in general, general feeling is, well, you can bhakti, that means there's bhakti for your country or for your family or for Krishna or for Rama or for Shiva or for Saraswati or for Sai Baba or Guru. Guru is good as God, better than God. So, bhakti, that's the main thing. It's all about the feeling, the happy feeling, joyful feeling, loving feeling. But, bhakti is, means to love Krishna. You may say, why, why even discuss all this philosophy when bhakti is just, it's just meant for love, so just love. And it doesn't matter who you love or how you love or why you love because love is supreme. But no, Bhagavatam, which is the ultimate treatise on bhakti given by Vyasadeva, he is more specific. This idea, well, bhakti, whoever you like, you can worship, however you like, whenever you like, however you like. This is non-specific. That's called nirvishesha, non-specific. But here it's very specific. Bhakti adhokshaja. And that adhokshaja, yes, from the very first words of Bhagavatam, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudeva. Vasudev, Krishna, is to be worshipped. So he may say, well, it doesn't matter. You can worship anyone. It's all the same. They're all aspects of the same Supreme. And sometimes uh, to support this, or to attempt to support this proposal, that, well, you just worship anyone. The, uh, the Bhagavad Gita may be well, some they may quote this Ramakrishna, Jatomat Totopat, but that has no, that's just something he said. Anyone can say anything. 
So he said that. But that doesn't make it authoritative. But more authoritative definitely than what this so-called Ramakrishna said is what Krishna says. And Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Ye Pyanya Devata Bhakta Yajante Shraddhayanvita Tepimameva Kontaya. He says that uh, those who are bhaktas, those who offer their devotion to other gods, it's ultimate, it ultimately, tepimam, it goes to me, or that's how they translate, but it's meant for me. You know, if they worship with faith, that's the main thing, yajante shraddhayan vita, they're worshipping with faith, then Krishna says, tepimam eva kontaya, Yajanti. They, they, it, they worship, it's all meant for me, but avidhi purvakam. Yajanti avidhi purvakam. They're worshipping, ultimately it's all meant for me, but they're worshipping in a manner which is uh, in the wrong way. So, if you say, well, you're worshipping with faith and everything's ultimately meant for Krishna, and it's all bhakti, so it's all the same thing, so it doesn't matter who you worship, it's all the same. But Krishna says, avidhi purvakam, in the wrong way. And elsewhere in Gita, Krishna, he clarifies this, that worship, although it's that, that, yag, that yajana, that worship, or yajna, that is meant for Krishna, alter, should be for Krishna, but if it's not specifically offered to Krishna, it's not the same. You don't get the same result. Yanti deva vrata devan, pitrin yanti pitri vrata ha, bhutani yanti bhuteja madhyajin opi yanti maun. One who worships, Krishna says, one who worships the demigods, they attain the platform, the status of the demigods. Those who worship the departed ancestors, they go to them. Those who worship ghosts, they become ghosts. And those who worship me come to me. So there is a difference. There is a difference between going to Krishna and becoming a ghost. It's not the same thing. You may worship the ghosts with much faith, so the faith, the factor of faith is the same and the factor of worship is the same. But the object of worship is different and there's a different result. So the point that one should worship with faith, that worship with faith that is meant for Krishna, but if it's avidhi purvaka, not done in the proper way, then there's a different result. And you may say, well, it's, it's the puja's the same, more or less. They offer some lamp, some flowers, but there's something seriously wrong. That it's, if one is, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a distinct difference. Worshipping ghosts, worshipping demigods, worshipping fakirs. This is prominent in modern India, worshipping... Sai Baba was a fakir, some kind of Muslim mystic. We don't have anything against Muslim mystics, but 
there is a different result from worshipping anyone other than Krishna. So, it's not all the same. One has to understand. It's not just feeling. People will say, oh, why discuss all this philosophy? It, bhakti means you just sing and dance and you give your love to Krishna. But unless we know that it is to Krishna, why it is to Krishna? Why do we offer to Krishna? Why not to Sai Baba? I feel in my heart, I have such a feeling for Baba. We may have a feeling and it may be in your estimation bhakti. But it won't be the same. And the ultimate result will not be yaya suprasida. The ultimate result will not be that the Atma, the very being, is fully satisfied because the Atma, the very being that we are, cannot be fully satisfied in relation to anyone other than Krishna because that is our constitutional position in relation to Krishna, not in relation to anyone else. So, although we may feel some happiness in worshipping anyone other than Krishna, that happiness is at least somewhat illusory. At least somewhat illusory. The tendency to worship, that is good. But we should know where it should be directed. Otherwise we will be misdirected. And although we may feel happy, that will not lead us to the position which Srila Prabhupada has given in English here, Satchidananda. Eternity, full understanding, and full bliss. So this philosophy is needed to understand who we are to worship. Bhakti is required, but who is that for? And we say, okay, all right, now I understood, it's for Krishna. Okay, so no more philosophy needed. Just chant Hare Krishna. But then we have to understand how to worship Krishna. That means, how to worship Krishna means there are certain procedures, just like in worshipping ghosts you might offer meat, for instance. To Krishna we cannot offer meat. We have to know what Krishna is satisfied with, how he is to be worshipped. In worshipping ghosts or in worshipping certain demigods, there may be offerings of wine and meat that we do not offer to Krishna. Krishna will not be satisfied with that. So we have to know how to, in terms of the activity, and we also, uh, that also means different mantras, how to chant. Uh, ultimately, the feeling is most important. Uh, there is the, uh, there is that verse that, uh, Murko vaditi vishnaya, pandit vaditi vishnave, ubhyo tat samam phalam, bhavagrahi janadana. There's, that verse is there that a learned person, while doing offerings, sacrifices or whatever, he'll offer omnamo vishnave. And someone who thinks he knows but doesn't know will say, who's Foolish in this regard, not learned in some 
basic Sanskrit terms, will say Om Namo Vishnaya, because you say Om Namo Narayana, Om Namo Govindaya, Om Namo Madhavaya, then you may think, well, it should be Vishnaya, but it's a, it's a, it's an un- irregular case, so it should be Om Namo Vishnave. So, both, according to this verse, get the same result because Janadam, which is another name of Narayana, Govinda, Madhava, Vishnu, he accepts the feeling with which it is offered. So he may say, then why, why bother about pronunciation or philosophy or proper grammar or any of these things? Just offer with love. But then one of the factors of love is that you don't go on and on making the same mistake if you're calling someone's name. Just like if you, the wife, a woman gets married and the husband's name is Sunil. In previously in India, you got married and then there's the first time husband and wife saw each other. So she might say first time, oh, Sudeep. Actually, she's not supposed to say his name at all. So it's a mixed example. She said, no, my name's Sunil. Oh, okay, sorry. But then after 20 years, she's still saying Sudeep. That means she didn't make any effort to uh, say his name properly, which means she doesn't really have much regard. So, if there's a mistake, all right, it's a mistake. But if you go on making the same mistake, that means you don't really have much regard for the person. So all this bhakti shiksha or education in all the details is also required. If we don't have education in the details, then again we come to nirvishesh. No details means nirvishesh, mayavad. Everything's all the same, whatever you do, it's all, doesn't matter. That means we don't, bhakti means we we, uh, take Krishna very seriously. We don't do it for our own, we're not performing, but I like doing bhakti because I become happy. Well, that's a beginning stage. But then the, the real level of bhakti is This is, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu prayed like this in the mood of Srimati Radharani. It is a very, it is the ultimate expression of love which we aspire to follow. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that uh, you may embrace me or crush me under your feet. You may make me broken hearted by not appearing before me. But in any situation, even though you don't, you may not care for me or you may superficially show some love for me, but you, you're just running here and there. Whatever it may be, whatever the situation is, you are my worshipful Lord, the Lord of my life, without any condition, unconditionally. So this is love, this is bhakti. That we give ourselves to Krishna, then we feel the happiness of bhakti. Not that we think that, okay Krishna, make me happy. It's that's back to front bhakti. That's not bhakti. So all these things have to be understood, and the Bhagavatam 
teaches us that, both philosophically and by giving examples of devotees who were ahaitukya-pratihata bhaktas, who were completely selfless and totally dedicated in their love for Krishna. Uh, we hear about Prahlad and Ambarish and so many great devotees who they're on the platform of pure devotion to Krishna. We hear about Dhruv Maharaj who wasn't on the platform of pure devotion but who came to that platform. So throughout Bhagavatam this platform of pure devotional service is uh, being recommended. It's not Anything else is called Kaitava Dharma or cheating in the name of dharma, in the name of... Yeah, anyway, dharma, you all have a, at least a superficial understanding of what that word means. Or by reading Srila Prabhupada's books, you'll get a proper understanding of what that means. So, uh, bhakti should be for Krishna, and we need to understand that philosophically also, so that we can be uh, clear in understanding that we have to serve Krishna, how to serve Krishna, what it means to serve Krishna, how bhakti has to be completely selfless. Um, mostly people think that bhakti means you worship some god and the god reciprocates with you and he gives you what you want and then your bhakti increases. So, this is why Sai Baba is popular. There are so many trains daily to Manmad. I, once I went from Sukhundrabad to uh, What's the name of that place in Karnataka? A four hours journey. Bida, Bida. We all went there. And we went on this Sukhundrabad Manmad Express. And I asked, why is there a daily train to Manmad? What's this? Some place stuck out in Maharashtra, some small town. And there are so many trains from so many places. He said, that's the station for Shirdi. They get down at the, it's the terminus is Manmad and then they go on to Shirdi. And Shirdi means, who in there in India doesn't know? This fakir worship. So they must be getting something. I also heard someone told me about someone else that they'd, someone had been introduced to me as doing bhakti and then again when I went to that place they asked me, then where's that person? He's not coming out. No, no. He said, he said he tried so many things and he came to Krishna also. He still didn't get what he wanted. Then he went to Sai Baba. Now he's happy. He's getting everything he wants. So seems like some potency of Kali has entered so that people are cheated and they, their material desires are fulfilled via this fakir. For some time. That will go on. Uh, so, that's, the, that's what most people think that bhakti is. That, well, you, 
You worship, it doesn't matter who you worship, as long as you get what you want. That's it. You, you find this God, that God, and if it doesn't work, then try another God. And if none of them work, well, you can become a Christian. And they don't just say that God will give you this and that, will give you right here and now. You get 10,000 rupees for converting, and then we'll send your kids to school and chicken every Sunday. So, this is, this is not just pie in the sky, it's pie on your plate. You get it right here now. So, people think that religion is meant for material gain. But right here, is it the next, no, one or two verses later? Where does that come? Dharma sya sya. Ah, yeah, just four verses later. Dharma is meant for apavarga, for liberation from this material world. These verses are very important. It is not meant for material gain. Completely uh, this statement is completely opposite to what almost everyone in the world thinks that dharma is meant for. Nārta. It should not be imagined. Nārto ārtayo pakalpate. Here the word ārta is used twice. Nārtārto nārtārtayo pakalpate. So Arta means meaning and arta means money. So here, na arta arta. It is not meant for money. <laughs> so the word is used twice when, when two different senses. Nartasya dharmaikantasya kamo labhaya hismitaha. These are very important terms. Dharma, arta, kama, and moksha, they're all discussed in this verse. Moksha, usually these four terms are used together. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. Sometimes they're put in different order. Uh, people who, sometimes they put Artha first because they think Artha is most important and Dharma is a means for, is a means to get Artha. So Artha, money is the most important. So, arta, dharma, karma, and then moksha. Okay, well, alright. We'll think about that later. So here, all the four are discussed. Dharma, arta, karma, and apavarga, which is another way of saying moksha. And the conclusion is that even, generally people say that dharma is most important, but here, apavarga is Stated that arta is there, but that should be used. Generally, we hear that arta should be used for dharma, but yes, but that dharma that should lead to apavarga and karma. This karma is just the opposite of. As long as we have karma, material desire, there's no question of moksha. But on the other hand, we can't be free from karma completely. Because even to de- you can't get moksha unless you desire it. And, but according to the uh, according to 
those who desire impersonal liberation, and especially some branches of Buddhism, you can't... Anyway, Buddhism, they have some very strange ideas, which I won't get into now, because I don't understand them, and I don't think anyone understands them, because they don't make any sense whatsoever. So... Um, yeah, desire should be there, but only the desire for uh, liberation, which is further defined here in Bhagavatam. It's, we're not talking about impersonal liberation, but muktir hitvanyata rupam swarupena vyavastitihi. It's uh, mukti means to be situated, to be free from these false forms, and to be situated in one's actual position. So it's all <coughs> deep, detailed, and clear exposition of what is bhakti. This is bhagavad-tattva-vijjana. This is the scientific exposition of the subject of bhakti. It is not feeling. Ultimately, bhakti means feeling. Ultimately, bhakti means feeling. <coughs> that feeling is not, however, the, the feeling of pleasure that one gets uh, <coughs> when one worships some manifestation of God. Because after all, Sai Baba is also a manifestation of the ultimate reality. And for that matter, so are you, and so is me. So am I, sorry. But... To understand how everything is a manifestation of the ultimate supreme who is Krishna. And that is required. Because if we think that, well, everything is a manifestation of Bhagawan, so everything is to be, everything or anyone can be worshipped as Bhagawan, and then that is a misunderstanding. So that feeling of happiness that you get from worship and thinking, oh, Baba, or or Shiva, or Mataji, Durga is going to give me this and that. This is a kind of happiness of bhakti, but it's not real. It's not an advanced level. It's like the, the kind of happiness that a child gets when the parents give something to the child. They love the mother because the mother gives to them. And we see that the, the baby is very attached to the mother, but gradually as the baby gets old, they become more independent. And uh, in the Western world where there's no real human values, although they talk a lot about it, but there, there's no r real human values whatsoever, then the parents are just abandoned in old age because they're no use to the children whatsoever. They, the children have nothing to get from them, and therefore they just abandon them. They don't care for them at all. So we can see that this material love, the love of the child for the parent, decreases according to their need to get something from the parent. In the beginning of life they're completely dependent. Gradually as they get to about four or five years old and they manifest some independence. They run here and there and they may even go some distance away from the mother, 
Although if they feel the mother is not there at all, then they feel very disturbed. And gradually they become more and more independent. And when they've got nothing to get from the parents, they have, they, there's no manifestation of love whatsoever in, in a totally materialistic culture. So this kind of feeling that one has, bhakti that one has for some demigod or for Sai Baba or for Jesus or whoever or whatever, that is based on what what God does for me. That is not real bhakti. That is not a haituki. Bhakti means a haituki. Real bhakti means without any dis- personal desire. You may say, well, how can, you, how can you do that? Well, that means a complete change of consciousness. Uh, this uh, Radharani that expressed, Ashli Shiva Padaratam, that Krishna, why, why would you love someone who, this, this prayer is there, then why should you love someone who tramples you underfoot, who doesn't, who you, he knows you want to meet him, but you, he doesn't meet you, why would you want to love anyone like that? Well, the answer is because Krishna is all attractive. He is by his very nature all attractive and it is our nature to be attracted to him. And actually Krishna's qualities are that he is very kind and loving. He is the perfect person to reciprocate love with. He completely gives himself to his devotees and only uh, only he can completely give himself to his devotees. No one else can do that. No, even if we say, well, I want to worship Shiva or Sai Baba without any personal desire, but they, no one else can reciprocate as can Krishna because that is his constitutional position to be the Prananata, to be the Lord of the life of every living being. That isn't the constitutional position of anyone else. The constitutional position of everyone else is in relationship to Krishna. So Krishna is that person who should be worshipped and who can perfectly reciprocate with us. And Krishna does. Krishna gives himself to his devotees. That sadhunam hridayam mahyam sadhunam hridayam tvaham the, the devotees are the heart of Krishna because Krishna becomes indebted to them because they completely give himself they completely give themselves to him and Krishna reciprocally gives himself to them and they Krishna is the heart of the devotees the devotee cannot think of anyone but Krishna and Krishna cannot think of anyone but them. We may think, well, there's so many devotees, and then how do I, where do I, how do I get in there? Well, dasanudasanudas, becoming the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna. But Krishna also pers- personally reciprocates with everyone. By Krishna, he can do that. We no uh, no one else can do that. They can't reciprocate with everyone, but Krishna personally reciprocates with unlimited numbers of devotees, which is possible for Krishna. That is not possible for anyone else. Of course, within this world there are great personalities like Lord Shiva who and, and various demigods, they do answer the prayers. 
of their votaries. But uh, within this world they have such a facility. That's not an eternal position to do so. And the demigods, they're also temporary and the boons that they give are temporary. Therefore, antavaktu palante shantad bhavatyalpamedasam The people who are foolish worship demigods and they get something from the demigod but they only get something temporary. And the position of the demigod is also temporary with the exception of Lord Shiva whose position is an eternal position but it is not our eternal position to eternally relate with him. Uh, so, bhakti means for Krishna. Bhakti means it should be unmotivated. As long as we have some personal motive in approaching Krishna, then there's no real or full bhakti. There are terms, karma mishra bhakti, jnana mishra bhakti, that we worship Krishna with some material desire or we worship Krishna with the desire for liberation. But that cannot fully satisfy Krishna and that won't fully satisfy us either. In fact, although most people who come to bhakti do so with personal desires, that is not recommended. Most people, they come to Krishna with, not with pure devotion. That's stated by Krishna himself in Bhagavad Gita. Chaturvidha bhajante maam jana sukriti norjana artho jignyasur artho jignyasur artharthi jnani cha bharatarsha Krishna says four kinds of people approach me. They are pious people. They are those who want money. Those who are interested, but not really, um, not very serious to surrender to Krishna, but just interested. And those who are distressed, and those who are in knowledge of Krishna. So that different people, most people come to Krishna either for getting money or relieving distress, or a mixture of those two conditions. Relief of the, one major manifestation of distress is poverty. So, most people come to Krishna for that, or they may come to Krishna thinking that, well, Krishna is Yogeshvara, so by worshipping Yogeshvara, I can also become liberated. Krishna is the Lord of the yogis, so he can help me to become liberated from this material world. So one may approach Krishna like that, but that is not pure devotion. And bhukti mukti spriha yavat pishachi hridi vartate tavat bhakti sukhasyatra katam abhyudavo abhyudayo bhavet How can the happiness of bhakti manifest in the heart of someone within whose heart reside the pishachis. In English, that's translated as witches. The witches of uh, desire for material enjoyment 
and the desire to become free from material enjoyment. If bhakti is executed for either of be free of material enjoyment means to be free of material distress. But the desire to become liberated without the desire to surrender to Krishna, then uh, that inhibits our devotion to Krishna because it's a personal desire. It may become purified by good association, but in and of itself, it is a personal desire, is a hetu, is a desire which is not uh, the desire to serve Krishna. Haituki means without any personal desire. So this word bhakti, it's a well-known word among Hindus, but it's a much misunderstood word. What, what goes on in the name of bhakti, most of it is not according to this standard. Savai pungsang paro dharma yato bhaktir adhokshaje ahaitukya pratihataya yatna suprasidati is not to this standard. That is the actual transcendental position which fully satisfies the self. So we want to propagate to everyone to do Krishna Bhakti. And we may do so in the in a simple kind of way, just say, chant Hare Krishna. But then we have to explain also. Even getting people to chant Hare Krishna, even sixteen rounds and following four regulated principles, they may still and getting initiated but they still might not be on the path back home, back to Godhead, even if they do these things, if they don't understand why we worship Krishna exclusively. Ahaituki, apratihata. Apratihata means, among other things, no television. And you say, what? If we look in the Sanskrit dictionary, we won't find that. But it means uninterrupted. It means we don't have we don't have any other agenda. We don't have any other activities. That, okay, now now I'm doing bhakti with full heart, and now I'm doing something else with full heart. No, everything for Krishna, everything centered on Krishna. That is pure devotional service. That is discussed here. So we should understand all this very carefully. Bhagavatam describes the bhakti of Prahlad, Dhruva, Ambarish, the Pandavas and ultimately the Rajavasis. But first there's a, a clear delineation of what that bhakti is. Because if we don't have that clear understanding, then we'll have an unclear understanding, misunderstanding. And we won't be properly situated on the path of bhakti. So all these points should be carefully understood. Therefore, I ask devotees again and again, read Srila Prabhupada's books, hear Srila Prabhupada's lectures, try to understand. Try to understand what is being communicated. Otherwise we'll be on the sentimental, mundane, 
mixed platform and it might seem that we are in bhakti and we are initiated and but we are not making any real progress. Understanding has to be there. Understanding also comes not just by reading, but also by putting into practice what we read about, surrendering to Krishna. Bhakti is a dynamic activity. It's not simply a mental activity. Uh, mental, or it's not simply an intellectual activity. It's uh, holistic, mind, body, words, everything engaged in the service of Krishna, but with clear direction and clear understanding. So please read, try to understand, hear regularly uh, this philosophy of Krishna consciousness as Srila Prabhupada taught it. We say Srila Prabhupada may say, well there are so many devotees in the history of the world, why do we always say Srila Prabhupada? Because Srila Prabhupada manifested this pure devotional service in the, in the present age. There may be many great devotees, and there may have been, have been so many great devotees in the past, but at least among the masses of people in India, prior to Srila Prabhupada strongly preaching Krishna consciousness, there was no clear understanding of what is bhakti. It wasn't available. Srila Prabhupada made it available to everyone. He, he uh, brought the he brought back the Ganga. The, the Ganga had been was the Ganga of bhakti. The, the flowing river of bhakti was drying up. Bhakti never dries up but the flow may dry it wasn't available. So Srila Prabhupada made that available. Bhakti, yes. Bhakti everywhere. There's bhakti. People in, in Hindu culture. But uh, Srila Prabhupada, he made that available. So we quote him. We're not, we're not saying that great bhakti sadhus of the past are bogus here. We don't say that. Here in Andhra Pradesh, the uh, Raghavendra Swami is very highly honored and among followers of the bhakti paths and of course Sri Ramanujacharya. These are great devotees. We bow down at their lotus feet. But their teachings of pure devotion uh, not many people were privy to that. So Srila, we, we quote Srila Prabhupada because he made that available and uh, he gave books which explain what all the great teachers, gurus, acharyas of bhakti have explained. He explained that in straightforward terms that is uh, easily understandable by people of the modern age. So, Hare Krishna, is there any question?
about this, please. Yeah, is there another mic for asking questions? Is that arranged? Okay, just speak and I'll, I'll repeat it. Okay. Anyway, I should repeat it for the recording. One of what? One of your God brothers told you that Sai Baba came in his dream and his wife dreams and told them to read Prabhupada's books. He became very convinced. So that proves that Sai Baba is actually a good guy after all. Does it? Well, why doesn't Sai Baba, when not in dreams, tell people to do that, to read Prabhupada's books? In that case. Only to this sincere one. But he doesn't to anyone. All right, well, we could say that the person is just lying, using Richard Dawkins' tactics, if he doesn't agree. If he doesn't agree with anyone and he can't refute them, he just says they're lying or they're having a hallucination. But if we accept this as a fact, then we can understand that Krishna wanted to give some mercy to these people. Um, no doubt due to some previous connection they had with devotional service. Because at that time their faith was in Sai Baba, so he wouldn't have li- they wouldn't have listened to anyone else. So Krishna manifested like that. But the real mercy will be when they understand that Sai Baba is bogus. If you read Prabhupada's books and you still think that Sai Baba is something wonderful, then you didn't really understand anything. In Mangalore years ago, there was a man, he said he wanted to get initiated by me, but he said he had been in Ram Krishna mission for years, and he said it was through Ram Krishna Vivekananda that I came to Krishna consciousness. And uh, I, I didn't want to initiate him. And I, I said, unless you get this nonsense out of your head, I'm not going to... He was chanting 16 rounds, reading Prabhupada's books, following four regular prints. Eventually he got initiated. He went to Mayapur and met a guru there and got initiated. You know who I'm talking about? Govindaram. You know him. But he never... He never so then he did his Bhakti Shastri course and he came back and started giving classes. But he never got this nonsense out of his head. And so he, he's teaching everything in Prabhupada's books with the added masala of uh, some like special chai or something. <laughs> uh, of Well, actually Ram Krishna is quite good in this. And so he never got it out of his system. So he never, he's never making, for all that he does, he can never... Katama bhudayo bhavit. He can never actually understand what is Krishna consciousness. As long as you have any affinity or misunderstanding in this way, then you've not really understood what is bhakti. So, it may be that Krishna, who is the uh, Lord in the heart, matasmriti jnanam pohanamcha, he may manifest in various ways to show mercy, but then the real mercy will come when, when you give up your, your, any, uh, kind of good feeling. 
bhakti means that one should have good feeling for any kind of good feeling for those kind of people. Bhakti means one should have full attraction to Krishna and no sympathy whatsoever for any of these people. You can't have both. Well, there could be some kind of nominal sympathy. Just like, for instance, we may say, it's better to worship Sai Baba than to become a ranting anti-Vedic Christian who wants to smash his deities and like this. Even though they're misled, they still have some superficial uh, respect for Vedic culture. So you could say that's you could say it's better than something else, but it's it's actually offensive to worship Sai just like this uh not Shirdi, this one Andhra Pradesh Sai Baba. There are things like like this the well known uh Venkate Suprabhatam Sri Venkata Chalapate Tavasuprabhatam you all know it. Everyone who's a pious Hindu in Andhra Pradesh, they know this. So, they uh, they made this whole song, someone made a recording of this whole song, taking out the terms Venkata Chalapate and putting in his name instead. Now, isn't that sinful? That he could toler- he, he could tolerate that? So there are serious problems there with Sai Baba. Yeah. Take the mic. How should we take dreams? Dreams are mostly nonsense. <laughs> but there may be some good things in them also. If in a dream you see the arati of Radha Govinda going on, that's very nice. Many times devotees told me that I appeared in their dream. And it's not just me, but my godbrothers and Srila Prabhupada appeared in their dream. So again, I understand that Krishna manifests, that we understand that Guru is a manifestation of Krishna. The Guru is the outward manifestation of Chaitya Guru. So Krishna appears in that form and says something which he wants, feels that needs to be communicated. So he does so in the form of the person who they trust. I get, I, I, where, where's the source of this? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what happens when you go from personal to impersonal. You can't find the source. So the sound is just coming from somewhere, but I don't... What's the source? Well, it's at, the sound is all around the room. That's impersonal. But there is a source also. Hmm. You can accept Sai Baba as a guru. The question is, can you accept? You can if you're a damn fool and you'll go to hell. 
Guru means who teaches us what is real. Who distinguishes reality from illusion. You can accept anyone as a guru, but we should know what are the qualities of a guru. First, there are two main qualities given in Shastra. The first one is Shabde Parecha Nishnatam. You should be absorbed in the message of Shastra. Immersed. Nishnata means immersed. And the second is Brahmanyu Pashamashrayam, who has taken shelter of the supreme truth via the Parampara system. So, Sai Baba doesn't fit in that. He's teaching something, but it's not according to Shastra. So, disqualified. Who asked this question? I, whoever asked this question, I, uh, it may be, it may sound very harsh to you, but I request that you uh, read in The Science of Self-Realization by Srila Prabhupada, the section on understanding who is a guru. Don't think that I'm just sitting here, I came to bash Sai Baba. Not bashing Sai Baba, bashing everyone who is cheating others. So that they can come to the actual platform of understanding, so that people can come to the actual platform of understanding who we should worship, so that we can get ultimate benefit. If you worship Sai Baba or if you accept him as a guru, you may get some benefit, but you'll also get punarapi jananam, punarapi maranam, repeated birth and death. If you worship Krishna, then janma karma chame devyam evangyo veti tattvataha tyakva dehang punar janma naiti maameti sorjana. Then you go to Krishna. Madhyajin opi anti maam. Manmana bhava madbhakto madhyaji maam namaskuru. Maame vaishasi. Krishna says again and again, worship me, you come to me. If you worship Sai Baba or accept him as a guru, you might go where Sai Baba is, but that's not where Krishna is, because Sai Baba is not Krishna. So that means you have to get born again and again, unless you go to Krishna. So we should understand what it means to accept a guru, what it means to worship. That's why we're discussing this philosophy. If I had spoken all nice stories about Krishna, everyone would have been very happy, no doubt. But those whose misunderstanding about Sai Baba is that Sai Baba is Krishna, they wouldn't have benefited at all because they, they would have they would have gone on with their misconception. And they may still go on with their misconception, but now, now by hearing this, they may have a chance to come out of that misconception and actually start to make some real spiritual progress. 
So that's why it's required to discuss all these things. So please uh, read that, Science of Self. If you're actually serious about spiritual life, then please read that book, The Science of Self-Realization. Yeah, okay, sir. Matri Devo Bhava Pitri Devo Bhava Acharya Devo Bhava Atiti Devo Bhava Yeah, so the mother is God. Matri Devo Bhava Pitri Devo Bhava The father is God. The Acharya is God. And the guest is God. These are well-known statements from Vedas. So, yeah, those statements are there, but they should be understood in context. How they are God, how they represent God. Not that they are God fully in all respects. Practically, to the child, the mother is God. The child is fully dependent. Mother is godly if she represents Krishna. Otherwise, she can be a Rakshasi also. Yeah, what's the question? Really into Varnashram, not you. <laughs> All his questions are aimed at that. How is it possible to perform a Haituki Bhakti, a Haituki Pratihata Bhakti, if one is living in the cities? Ah, uh, go and join Madhukanta <laughs> on the farm. I guess that's the answer you are looking for. Well, it's a fact. It is difficult. It's not impossible, but it is difficult to perform unmotivated, uninterrupted devotional service if one is in association with people who have very different motivations and one is obliged to perform activities which have no connection with devotional service and which you're not allowed to connect with devotional service. You may not even be allowed to put a picture of Krishna on your wall in your office in many companies. So, I discussed that the other day, if you remember. I'm sure you do. That more favorable position is to place oneself in a position where one can perform devotional service without any other distraction. Yeah, anything else? All right, but... How should you tackle persons? 
due to my background, tackle makes me think of soccer or rugby. In rugby, you tackle a person by grabbing them, pulling them to the ground. How should we tackle persons? Because your brother previously constructed a Sai Baba temple and now he's going and asking for donations for Krishna. And people who are very expert in avoiding giving donations to anyone or anything, they use this as an excuse to not give. Because they said previously you asked for Sai Baba and now you're asking for Krishna. Well, tell them, tell them, I, I didn't, at that time I didn't know who is, who should actually be served. Now I know. That is Krishna. That's why we're asking a donation so that we can push on this Krishna conscious movement. What happened to that Sai Baba? Is it a trust or is it a family trust or what? It's gone to the government. He was a good temple making plenty of money. Huh? So the ministers didn't have enough crores. In their, they, they never have enough crores in their pockets. So build a temple and give the money to... Now it will go to Telangana. That's why they don't want to give up. Politicians don't want to give up Telangana because then they get less... The Andhra politicians get less money. And the Telangana politicians, they want it so they can get... Why are these Andhra politicians are getting all the money? We want, we want our own to... We want the right to cheat the people of Telangana. We are from Telangana. Why are these Andhra people cheating them? We will cheat them. It's just like Indian independence. Why are these British people take, taking all the money from India and taking it? We, we'll take it. We're Indian. We should cheat. The, we should have the right to cheat our own people. And Indian people feel satisfied. Oh, we're not getting exploited by British. We're getting exploited by Indians. Desi cheating. So, anything else? Could get thrown in prison for this. I only understood the word Krishna out of everything you said. Maybe you're holding the mic too close to your mouth. Vedvyas, Vedvyas. Is one of the 24 avatars mentioned in the third chapter of the first canto of the Bhagavata. Narada Muni instructed Vyas. Well, how come Sandipani Muni instructed Krishna? How come Ishwarapuri instructed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? How come Vishwamitra instructed Rama and Lakshman? It's called Lila. The Supreme Lord also accepts a guru. Vedvyas wrote so many, he compiled so many, 
In different places he says Indra is supreme and therefore Narad Muni came and said Jugupsitam. What you have given is wrong. It's misleading. Nayadvachas chitchapado hareya yasam jagat apavitra. It makes the, all these, it, it's not auspicious for the world. Therefore he told him to to compile the Bhagavatam. It's off the topic of the class. But, well, I guess indirectly you could say, because we're saying Krishna, and you could say, well, in Shastra there are so many things recommended. So, yeah, like I said, at some level, at some level, Sai Baba worship is better than becoming a Christian. So at some level to believe that Shiva is supreme better than nothing. It's not the it's not the ultimate truth, but it's at some level it's good. That Yepianyate Yo Yo Yang Yang Tanung Bhakta Shradhaya Chitan Itchati Tasya Tasya Chalang Shradham Tameva Vidadhamyaham Krishna says. Those who desire to worship are the gods, I make their faith in that God immovable, Krishna says. So one of the ways he does that is by giving Shastras with all these misleading statements. You may say, well, people get confused. Yes, but they're they're confused, but they're not falling down to total animal life. They accept the Vedic culture, so they're confused in a, in a better way than they would have been if they didn't have Shiva Purana. It's all in the plan of the Lord. For further detail, see this book, Who is Supreme? That's a recently published book. Who is Supreme? Written by Gokul Chandra Das. And it describes why Krishna is Supreme and not all these different demigods. So, anything else or shall we finish there? Hmm? You have another question? Yeah. I can hardly hear you. Yeah. Uh, uh. Where is this verse from? It's Srila uh, Prabhupada says it's given by Rupa Goswami. Maybe in Lagu Bhagavatamrita, something like this. It's hmm? Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And many of the verses which Rupa Goswami calls are taken, if they're not from Bhagavatam, they're from Narada, Pancharatra, or maybe his own composition also. If it's his own composition, means it summarizes the teachings of Shastra. Just like that important verse of his, that Anyabhila Ashita Shunyam Jnana Kamadhyana Vitamanukuyena Krishnana Shilana Bhakti Rutama. It summarizes the teachings of, of 
the Shastra. It, it par- it's parallel to this uh, this verse which we read today. Savai pung sang paro dham. Yato bhakti parallels it. The haituki. Supreme dharma and a haituki. That uh, those elements are there. In Bhagavatam says what? Gyan avatars. Gyan bhaktas. They attain sarupya mukti. I don't know. You have to show me the reference exactly. Uh, uh. Yeah, but you have to see the context. Gyan, the, the word Gyan doesn't always mean impersonal liberation or, or tending toward impersonal liberation. Gyan also means, I. within the Gorya context, Gyana also means uh, Aishvarya again, knowledge of the Lord's opulence. So, Vraja Bhakti is obtained by those who do not maintain Aishvarya again. That's stated in Chaitanya Charitamrita. What is that? Aishvarya Gyane Napai Vrajendranandan. When if one has Aishvarya Gyan, Knowledge of the Lord's opulence, and he doesn't attain Krishna as Rajendra Nandan, Krishna in Vrindavan. So everything has to be understood contextually. So, Hare Krishna. More questions? Okay. <coughs> And this question is, it looks like in the current, it looks like nobody takes to Krishna consciousness of Siddha Bhakti until they are in totally helpless condition. So what should we do to get to that state without taking into a helpless condition? That's an interesting question. Mostly it seems that people take to Drida Bhakti, very firm bhakti if they are in a helpless position. Given the example of Gajendra. But there are so many examples. So how do we how do we get firm bhakti without going through that difficulty, without coming to a nasty position? Well, Srila Prabhupada comments that in his commentary on the first verse of Upadesha Amrita, that an intelligent person learns by hearing A less intelligent person learns by experiencing. And we can add to that that a completely foolish person never learns anyway, in any circumstances. <coughs> so, we should learn by hearing. We are in a helpless position. 
if we think that we're not in a helpless position, that is our extreme foolishness. That at, the, at this very moment we're not being beaten with sticks doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Birth, death, old age and disease are extremely painful. And we are in that situation. We cannot avoid it. So we should learn by hearing and understanding. Janma mrityu jaraviyadhi. We're in Ill, we have to suffer birth, death, this old age and disease. This is suffering. Only due to Maya we think that we're not suffering, we're free. So that suffering can be an impetus. Uh, if we think that I'm, well, I don't really need to surrender to Krishna because I'm not suffering in very much. Well, we could pray as Kunti prays if we dare to. Vipada santu tashashvat tatra tatra jagat garo bhavato darshanam yatsyad apuna bhavadarshanam Give me difficulty. Give us lots of difficulty. So by seeing all these, by being in these difficulties, we'll, we'll remember you. We'll see you. And by seeing you, we won't have repeated birth and death. If we dare to, we can pray like that. Who dares to pray like that? <laughs> we should pray like that. But we're always, we're always thinking how I can get the best of both worlds. Not understanding that there's nothing good in this world. So if we think that, well, I want to get pure devotion to Krishna, but I also want to have lots of money and prestige and my children should go to America. It doesn't work. Even if someone cheats you and tells you that all this is your... your cultivating your material desires is actually devotional service. But you're being cheated. Even if it's an ISKCON guru who tells you. <laughs> material desires and devotional service, surrender to Krishna, are not the same thing. So by telling you that by, by having a good career and having a good job, that's your devotional service, it's just cheating, that's all. It's, it's, it's Shruti Smriti Purana Adi Pancharatra Vidhingvina Aikantaki Hare Bhakti Utpatayaiva Kalpate. It's, because it's not the conclusion of Shastra, it creates a disturbance in the actual path of pure devotion. So when someone comes along and says, no, that's not true. Say, well, it must be true because disciple of Prabhupada said it. This is how contamination, deviation comes in the Sampradaya. And when we say, oh, well, it must be good because so many people are coming. And so many people are chanting Hare Krishna with all their, the offensive attitude that's been given to them in the name of bhakti to equate pure devotional service with material activities. So that's why I say read Prabhupada's books. But then you have to, you have to read the books 
as they are, not with the filter. When Srila Prabhupada says surrender to Krishna, what he really means is I should study hard and get a good job and earn lots of money. What? Well, that's what I learned at the Iskon Temple. Really? Okay, Hare Krishna, 